Hey there, podcast listener. Uh, this is, I'm looking at my notes, Dapper Dialogue. Why am I looking at my notes? Because we just decided the name not five minutes ago. Uh, who am I? My name is Adam. You might know me from the internet. Uh, I have uh, I have a few podcasts. Deranged Penguin uh, is probably the most, I guess, you know, like non-sportsy, so the most open you know, any and all can listen to it. One of my internet friends is uh, Brandon Germain, and he's here with hello. me. And this hello, is hello, show. hello. It's Brandon. Um, I don't know. I just kind of thought we should really tell the true story, how we met, and I guess just all <laughs> how people kind of uh, can meet nowadays and how yeah. this all came together. That sounds good. You tell yours first. You tell it better. So, you know, when, when Twitter was a thing, uh, I say a thing because, um, you know, it was kind of new and people really didn't know how to use it or whatnot. Um, I would just search for topics that people were talking about at any given time. And I don't know. I think it was a late night during a Spurs game. Um, I don't know who they were playing that night, but I just looked up Spurs and seeing what people were talking about or whatnot. And uh, I came across one of your tweets. I forgot what you said, but we just kind of went into – a diatribe on the season and stuff. And then uh, I followed you, you followed me, and I guess the rest was history. Yeah, like, uh, I think I think I was living in Denton. I had to be living in Denton by then. This was, like, what, three years, two years ago? I don't even know. Probably two to, two to three years ago, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Um, and, yeah, like, I think that's kind of how people do this kind of stuff now. This is how I do it, basically. Um, but, yeah, like, I think, you know, I was tweeting about the Spurs. The Spurs are my team, obviously. I'm from San Antonio. And I was in Denton. And um, I think this is the same way I met Jared, the guy from Cooler Chronicles now. Like, he found the topics, you know, the thing I was tweeting about. And then we just start talking about it, basically. And yeah, it's kind of an easy way just to get rid, of, get rid of that weird middle. You ever meet someone at a party mm-hmm. and uh, you think they may be into the same things you are and they just totally come off as weird and odd? <laughs> it's just yeah. a, a good way to get rid of that weird introduction and hey you know you like this i like this and uh let's do it yeah and i think one of the, the cool things uh one of the things i like about twitter is uh one of the things i like about twitter is like uh you can you don't have to deal with all the other stuff you don't have to like you know be nice to them and smile you can kind of keep it to the conversation it's one of the things i like about the internet maybe it's because i'm a weirdo or something um, but like, you know, like the, I didn't have to meet you. I didn't have to like sit in your house. We didn't have to like awkwardly just kind of keep the conversation going. You know, I was just like, all right, this is uh, Twitter. We're talking about the Spurs. And basically you can forget me for like the next three or four days until you see something else that I tweeted that was cool. You know, there was no, no obligation. No. no, yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Um, so I guess we should do a somewhat of a formal introduction. Uh, again, I'm Brandon Ferguson. My Twitter handle is at Brandon Germain. Uh, Germain is spelled J-E-R-M-A-I-N-E. Haven't been tweeting as much as I used to lately, but um, with the show and everything, I'll try and be as engaging as possible. Um, Facebook, yeah, I guess I'll I guess I'll add you on Facebook. I'm never there, but <laughs> uh, I think they're doing URLs now. Facebook.com uh, forward slash the Brandon Germain. So if you want to add me on there. Feel free. Yeah, are we Facebook friends? I think we are Facebook friends. 
Yeah, yeah, we are. It's, it's easy to get lost in that stuff. Have you seen Vine, that new app that just came out? No, but I've been hearing about it. I meant to to get into it a little bit more. Like, uh, there's a whole porn controversy or something, right? Is it that one or 500 pixels? I think it's both. I think like somebody was like, uh, they were like searching porn on Vine, and that got everybody into hot water. Yeah. Oh, I did not even hear about that. Um, <laughs> You're like, whoa, I missed out. <laughs> it's it's cool. It's uh, supposedly Twitter's version of YouTube. It's like six second six seconds of video. Uh, short clips that you can put together. Um, I kind of liken it to Cinema Graph. Do you remember that one? It came out like, like, like a year ago. I do remember that one. Baby. So you know, we'll, we'll see if it sticks around. Yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, let me. I'm searching for the Vine controversy. They were originally a startup. They were they were alone, and uh, Twitter purchased them. And um, I guess it's their idea to get people off YouTube and. I don't know, short short video, I guess. Speaking of YouTube, would you pay for like like a dollar a month, five dollars a month subscription for content on YouTube? Uh depends on the content. Yeah, I would. Um I even heard some rumblings that they might start doing start doing boxing fights uh on YouTube. Um but yeah, I would pay. I'll pay for any good content. That's good. That's a good attitude to have, I think. Um, and you can donate you out there if you subscribe to, to Brent. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. We should get a donate button. Um, now, like, I don't know. Like, I thought about that. Um, I think what, one of the things it takes away from, like, the Internet, it's, like, it's all free. So, like, um, you get a lot of crappy stuff. But, like, yeah. good stuff is, like, all the good stuff on the Internet that is free is mostly like labors of love. You know what I mean? Like the, the cool mashups. A lot of the, like the, I was looking at more uh, downfall, the Twitter rent, the Twitter rents, the um, Hitler rents thing. Yeah. I was like, I was thinking about how much time and, and effort people put into those things. And those are hilarious. It's great. It's like, I wasted like a half hour looking at that. And it's a, it's a whole show. Think about like the millions of dollars somebody puts together to broadcast and produce a show and it's not funny. And you know, yeah, no, you're, you're definitely right. Anything on, on the internet and just anything in general that's mobile, people expect to be free, which is cool because um, it's user-generated and mostly supported by ads. But I don't know. Like you said, the cream rises to the top, and um, I'm all down for paying for content. Um, on that note, just kind of the transition about what me and you have been talking about the last few months, um, talking about content. You know, what me and you are doing right now is content, right? And um, we really subscribe to, um, I don't know, this idea of the things like Dan Benjamin's doing where um, you're getting people information on demand. You don't have to wait for a TV show. You don't have to DVR it. Uh, it's when they want to get to it when they want. And the sooner these companies figure that out, you know, I think the happier everyone will be. But um, I guess the, the roadblock is finance-wise, how do you, how do you um, solve that problem? Yeah, and I don't know if there's there's an easy way to do it because it like breaks all the the models. I think you know, like music is obviously one of the bigger ones. Like right now, we're getting into books. I think Amazon just came out with that uh, the the facts that like they that books are down, like new books purchasing is down like seventeen percent or something like that. I forget the numbers, but the the story that you get from it is that hardcover or like not hardcover but like paper books physical books are down sure, sure. obviously yeah. and then digital book sales are, are way way up um 
I don't know, like it, you know, content or like the message, whatever the message is, if it's a song, if it's a movie, if it's a book, a story, you know, um, or a podcast is, uh, is really it. And how that gets to you is, it doesn't really matter. And like the way, way companies or, or organizations like the, uh, recording industry made a lot of money was by controlling a path of information like this channel. It's like that old style, you know, railroad barons, basically. They're like the... They they controlled the only way that it was possible to transmit music other than you just going to every person and playing it on demand for them, like live music or doing a show. Um, and now that we're able to record it and pass it along, like that information gets to be free again. And I think we're we're struggling with that, obviously. Um, yeah, yeah, no, correct. Um, yeah, so but I guess to answer your question, I don't know how much, like how is it supported? Maybe the old way, like patrons of the arts, you know, like donations, that kind of thing. Yeah, like, or yeah. somebody commissions a podcast. I don't know how these things happen. We kind of have to go back and and remember like the way we used to do things in the 1800s and the 1500s or something. Yeah, I think for the most part, people want to pay for content. And they will pay for content. Um, I'm trying to think who it was. I think it was Madonna. She put up one of her um, LPs a few years ago on her website for like five bucks and got like you know a hundred thousand purchases within uh, a week or whatnot. Uh, Louis C.K., he mm -hmm. released that um, ticket sales directly from his website last year. Did real well. So, um, I don't know. I just think old school media is so scared of uh, another iTunes fiasco that they don't want to <laughs> give it to people uh, easy. Um, one of the questions I want to ask you tonight, because one of our topics is Netflix, and um, they just reported their Fourth quarter earnings and just kind of talking about the future or whatnot. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you was, what was your inspiration to start getting into podcasting and um, just how you feel about content and, and doing your own type of shows, you know? Oh, man. I wasn't ready for that question. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think, I don't know, like a lot of it is, is like capitalizing on the, on the, on the moment, you know? Like... Uh, me and and the woman over there kind of have this conversation a lot about having to you kind of have to be a little crazy or a little something like you have to be in love with yourself enough to think that your message is worth other people hearing yeah i mean like some people like think that's like well yeah definitely i'm me and you should definitely hear the song and other people are like well you know whatever it is there's like a continuum there and obviously, you know, I think I know enough about certain things that I want to tell other people about it. And, you sure. know, like, we're all humans. We have this, I mean, you know, like a, a desire to express ourselves, whether other people want to hear that or not. And, uh, you know, like, it would be a long road for me to get a radio show, you know, to probably have to put in, like, years as a you know like a board producer board ops guy work my way yeah. up from you know low low guy all the way and then there's a lot of compromising on the way to becoming radio host and along that way i might forget whatever in the hell i wanted to say in the beginning anyway you know? <laughs> well i guess is that even necessary now i mean you look at guys like leo laporte and they run everything completely digitally yeah. you know through the web or whatnot and um i don't know i just think we see uh examples in front of us of, of doing these things um when you had your little shindig uh, a few weeks ago, um, I thought Jared said something pretty cool. When uh, he was looking for, you know, conversation on UTSA football, you couldn't get it anywhere. You know, prior to them releasing um, 
you know, info about the team and prior to them even making any announcement, you just couldn't find that stuff. And when I found out you you were doing it and then him, you know, people flock to it, man. Good content that uh, can't be found anywhere else. Um, that's the value in it. Excuse me. Yeah, and like, um, hold on, somebody, somebody's texting me. Speaking to Jared, he's asking me when we're doing that show. Um, <laughs> yeah, like it, I guess... A lot of it, yeah, because it's so easy to do that. Like, you know, along those same lines, using that same kind of story. Um, if, say, there was nobody talking about UTSA content, like, well, how do you demand it as a consumer? Who do you ask, you know? Like, do you sure. do you ask the, the entrenched radio people? Like, um, speaking <laughs> of, like, 760 or 1250, and you're like, we want yeah. more UTSA. And they're like, ah, well, our business model is not really kid. So, like, you know what I mean? Because they're, like, this big behemoth that has to turn and, like, align all these things and get the right sponsors to pay for it, right, you know, like right. you're saying. Because they have to make money, and they 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 have, they have built up a house, whether it's on cards or however it's built up, and it's on it, you know? And they don't want to mess with nothing because they just got it right right now. So yeah. us, we have the advantage. I have that advantage. You know, you and I have that advantage now of... Jumping in there and, uh, you know, like right now, what subsidizes these shows? What, who's our patrons? Well, ourselves, you know, we go work nine to five, we come home and, and do a little podcast and talk about some things that we want to talk about. And other people, like we scratch our own itch, getting to talk about it and yap about it. And everybody else gets uh, a little bit of what they want and they get to listen to it. You know, they get that content that they want. Yeah. Like me and a buddy of mine were talking um, during the election and, one of my biggest frustrations was during the debates, everything was so timed, like everyone was in a rush. And I know networks have to get back to breaks and, you know, we can't be there all night, but it was just frustrating to see these guys talking about real topics. And it seemed like they were in a rush every three minutes to get to the next question, just so they could run their show at midnight um, about whatever. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like you said, th those old models don't allow, I guess, for... Um, certain topics to come up and, and um, the right ads and stuff like that. Um, it kind of reminds me of um, uh, Family Guy, I think it was. <laughs> they were just talking about the finance of things. And I think there was like 50 writers on staff for Family Guy. And um, I think the budget for the show, even though it's a cartoon, is in the millions. And, you know, people asked, you know, even if they were to give that show for free or in the format of um, – YouTube or a podcast where it's real cheap to consume, you know, how would they pay for it? Um, which is a good question, but um, I just think there's other ways to do this stuff without the way we're consuming media now. Like instead of like like ad supported or that gigant gigantic kind of monstrosity, is that you mean? Yeah, like skip the middleman. Like, you know, if all of us want seasons one through nine of Family Guy on demand, you know, I'm more than happy to pay Fox, you know, three to five bucks. I guarantee they'll get at least a million people to do that. Um, um, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I just really feel that way. Um, kind of transitioning to, to one of the topics on our, on our list. I emailed you earlier. Um, Netflix came out today and kind of was speaking very brave, saying that um, they want to take on HBO and kind of be HBO before HBO becomes Netflix. And you kind of ask yourself, well, what does that mean? Um, long story short, if you don't know, Netflix has been offering deals to content creators to write and create shows directly for Netflix, 
which means it'll never go to cable. It'll never go to HBO. Um, it'll never go to one of the big networks. You're literally just subscribed to Netflix and you get to watch these shows. Um, so far, I think they have like three of them. Their most popular is uh, House of Cards with Kevin Spacey and um, a few more. But long story short, they want to start doing about five shows a year and become a, a internet-only subscription service similar to HBO but skipping Time Warner, uh, Verizon, Comcast, and everyone else. Um, how do you feel about that? Don't you, don't you think it's exciting? Yeah, I'm like really excited about it. I think some of the some of the better shows that we've seen, it's some like the like a lot of people watch like uh, Mad Men or Breaking Bad or a lot of these other things. Yeah. Um, you know, they they're alternatives to what we have, like the main stations that we all have, like what like the basic cable, right? CBS, Fox, NBC, etc. And they were kind of like you know, it was like first HBO because HBO was like, well, if we want to you know um, differentiate ourselves. From yeah. you know, basically, we can you know use a uh, use our uh, freedom to you know like to, to curse and, and show some boobies, basically. Yep. That that will win people over, and people will come here and they'll subscribe, and that's how we will make our money. Sure. Well, other people were like, okay, well, we don't have quite those same freedoms, but we have a little bit of freedom. And so you have like FX putting out shows like uh, Justified or or uh, Sons of Anarchy or or The Shield, which is my favorite. Um, and those kind of push the envelope a little bit. And then, you know, competing with them, they're like, well, if they can do it, we can do it too. You know, like we can get people to come over here and watch Breaking Bad and Mad Men, those kinds of things. Um, and so they're all kind of alternatives from what you have, right? So Netflix is in another alternative from that. And like you said earlier, it cuts out the middleman. Instead of, instead of uh, you know, trying to get you to subscribe to cable and get the, ma- the package that you can have AMC on and, you know, know the time and watch the whole and support the whole network, right? Like, Matt, you know, you have to have AMC. AMC has to show other shows besides Mad Men, right? Like in right. the morning. I don't even know what they show. I, I turn it. Um, but, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so instead yeah. of having to support all that, you have all this other. You, you can watch. Like you said, you don't have to wait for the DVR to, you know, to the show to premiere or whatever. You have yeah. a yeah, it's it's there, it's already there, and you're already looking at other movies, you know. And and on top of all that, they already know what you like, you know. Like they're yeah. like, you like those shows. We see that you watch these movies, so now you really want to try House of Cards, or you know, they can they can go from there. It's awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah, don't even get me started, man, on on the cable companies. I actually I called them like two weeks ago because my bill's like two hundred now. <laughs> and uh, if you pay attention to their marketing, they all talk about triple play for 99 bucks. You know, whatever, good deal. You get your which, internet, you which, get your cable, uh, you get your phone yeah. service. So um, I gave them a ring, and um, I was asking them, you know, how to get up to 200 And they flat out told me, every year we raise your, your fee another $9. And I guess I never noticed the past, you know, five or six years or whatnot. <laughs> and um, I was like, you know, well, if I was a new customer – Technically, I'd be paying ninety nine dollars. How do I get back to that? And you know, of course, they're like, "Unfortunately, sir, uh, you know, we we can't do that for you. We we don't offer that." So you know, I bring in the whole competition thing, and I'm like, "Well, you know, I can go to AT and T and start paying that." And um, the exact same thing. AT and T signs you into a two year contract, and that following year, um, your your price of service goes up. So it's a monopoly in the sense that they know that you can't go anywhere else, mm-hmm. and they have half the market. In whatever city in America, whether it's Time Warner or Comcast or whatever, and uh, there's technically nothing we can do about it. I mean, there, there's nothing at all unless um, people like me and you start doing more 
user-generated content and uh, shoving it through a different pipe than the TV. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like it's. I don't. I don't. Even, I don't even know where to start on on cable and all that other stuff. I don't like time on cable, and <laughs> I'm assuming that's what you said, triple play. But you know, I want. I don't want you to. <laughs> to ruin the relationship with them, I guess. I don't know what you're trying to protect. <laughs> don't protect Time Warner. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, like, they uh, they tried to, them and Comcast, but, but I know mostly it was Time Warner Cable. And the cities that they had a monopoly in, San Antonio yeah. being one of them, I know it was like a couple years ago, they tried to do that, like, metered bandwidth kind of thing. Oh, dude. Yeah, they didn't do that in Dallas. And here's another yeah. benefit of having competition around there, because they have... You, know, you can easily switch to obviously the one of the, the satellite ones, or but yeah, FiOS definitely, which is awesome. Get FiOS. Um, like everybody says that AT and T UVerse is just as good, but I don't know. I don't have any experience, and I've yet to switch over. But FiOS is I awesome, th- and it's really. I think television wise, AT and T is great. The user interface is good. Um, clean menus, good remote or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, as far as internet, I just prefer Time Warner speeds. Um, talking about the meter thing. Yeah, they stayed away from the big cities. When I was reading that article, you know, they stayed away from San Antonio, Dallas, Houston, but they were killing people in like Victoria or, or McAllen or these little towns where people had no option. Um, mm-hmm. And they were cutting them off, I think, at like 100 gigabytes. And, um, you know, that'll fly just after a few weeks of YouTube and Netflix. Yeah, yeah. You have to do like basic, you have to like read 1995 internet. That's all you can, you can't get, you know, streaming anything that way. Um, I don't know, like it's uh, like I generally like the way Verizon was doing. Like Verizon's not the greatest company in the world, but I like their at the moment they're like the least evil, I guess, because yeah. the way they were competing was by laying fiber optic cable and giving you like super like tons and tons of speed uh, compared to like you know the competitors. Like Time Warner Cable was not even close to an option there, or I think there was a, there was another one it was like Charter. Anyway. Um, yeah, they're kind of the, like the new kids on the block, uh, Verizon yeah. Fios. I know they're huge in New York. They're in Dallas. And uh, yeah, you're right. They came with fiber and uh, kind of gave people an alternative with, with better speed. So I like what Verizon's doing. I just wish they'd move further south to, um, you know, Austin, San Antonio and give us give us an option. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think I also heard somebody say, a Verizon person say, um, as long as like AT&T controls that area, basically it ain't happening. Like they're not going to come in. Something about like who owns the lines here. I don't know enough about that. I think a good resource for that is probably like, uh, oh, what is it? Like um, there's like a forum. It's like broadcast something. I forget. Um, I don't know, but it's it, like you know, like if you um, Google anything. Talking like, about just different markets and yeah. channels being available and not available. Um, I'm going to ask you a question, get your opinion on something. Yeah. Um, so UTSA, right? UTSA football, I believe they're on the Longhorn Network because they're a part of the same school system. Well, I don't, I don't think that was – that's not necessarily the reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, they made a deal with it. I think uh, the person you want to talk to, I think, is probably Jared because Jared, like, he, uh, he ferreted the whole thing out. Like, he – he put it all together before it even happened. Because um, I know they would show their games like on ESPN3, you know, watch ESPN, and uh, they kind of use the same promo for Longhorn yeah. Network or whatever. If ESPN approached you about being under the umbrella of ESPN Radio for, for the Chronicles, what, what would your answer be and what would you ask for? 
uh, how much are you going to pay me? <laughs> is it more than I'm getting uh, paid currently? <laughs> and like, how much like editorial freedom would I have? Basically, would be it. it. That's what I was kind of getting at. Yeah, creative control. Because so I keep on hearing all the stories about ESPN basically tells their anchors what side to take, the personality you're going to be, and this is how we want to entertain people. Um, I kind of felt that way about um, what was that guy's name on first take that was talking about the RG three thing? Um, oh, uh, Rob Parker, that guy. Rob Parker. Yeah, I know he's kind of he shoots from the hip and he's kind of a weird dude, but I don't know. Sometimes I just wonder what was he really thinking saying that, and I wonder if it really was his stance and his position on that whole on that whole thing. Like you're wondering what he really thought. Is yeah, like kind of what he really thought because um, God, it wasn't Merrill Hodge, but there was another college football analyst that um, he actually sued Disney because they flat out told him, you know, kind of the stance he should take on the Saturday morning show. And um, it's kind of one of those things of the man behind the curtain, just kind of telling people, you know, this is how it really goes down. And um, I don't know, with creative control, I think that's why so many people stick to the web and don't kind of um, give in to the, uh, the behemoths. Yeah, man. Like, I, I totally think, I totally think that's like, it's a valid reason to do it. I mean, obviously, when you give other people control of your life, yeah, like if you're not, if you don't own your own business, then you you have to make some compromises, right? Like, I mean, you, you can have the coolest job ever, but ultimately, you're you're responsible to somebody else, right? Like, you know, your boss or yeah. the owner or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, like you know, you might get paid. It depends on your own level, like whatever you feel like that you're comfortable with compromising. Like, you know, I wouldn't mind if they're like, look, we really want to stick to like X, Y, Z topics. Mostly do like 90% of your show on that. And the rest you can do your own. I could totally understand that. Because, I mean, even like now, like uh, on on my shows, I do kind of compromise a little bit. Yeah. If I want to get listeners, right? I can't talk about, you know, the minutiae of... You know, soccer, whatever, on the Cooler Chronicles podcast. Everybody's going to be like, dude, what are you talking about? And then at a certain point, you know, their tolerance will break and, you know, they'll they'll never listen again. <laughs> and, yeah, so, I mean, at, at some level, there's there's always compromise. And it's whatever point that the compromise meets the benefits, right? And you have a demand curve, right? If everybody remembers their economics, I guess. Uh, and so, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like that. That's what I would say. So, like... I don't know. Um, would I like to be able to talk sports all day? Yeah. I mean, you know, like if, if somebody, if uh, like say Dan Benjamin was like, dude, all right, you get it, you want your own show, you know, you quit your job, but I'm going to pay you $9 an hour to do a show. And that's, that'll be your whole job. You do your show and you do like some other stuff. Would you do that? Would you leave your current job for $9 an hour and you have your own show? <sighs> Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, pr- more than likely not. I, I mean, unless there was a goal in mind in the end, like a, like a like an IPO or a takeover or something. But no, you're right. Probably not. Um, that's why I kind of just want to do this in my spare time, and um, you know, just kind of see where it goes. Yeah. But um, yeah, I see what you're saying. I think uh, I think my one of my finance teachers, he said something like, you know, like it's that old thing. You have your job that you make your money and then you have your hobby, right? That, you know, like gets you rich or, or even if it doesn't get you rich, it's, it keeps you sane at the very least, you know, yeah. the second hobby. And that's kind of what, what these kinds of things are. And if other people have 
if that has like externalities, positive externalities, like you do a podcast, you put it out on the internet, right? That's your yeah. hobby. And people listen to it and they get enjoyment from that. Well, that's great, you know? That's it's good. It's good for this world, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you hear about that CBS, CNET story where at CES, um, CNET did a review and said one of the best uh, products of the show was the Hopper, which yes. is that Dish Network DVR thing. And CBS stepped in, parent company of CNET, and said, um, you know, we're not going to allow you to um, elect this as one of the best devices because we're, we're currently in a, a legal dispute with them. And the whole legal thing, I can understand completely, but I think what it came down to was CNET didn't like the fact um, their uh, subsidiary was giving credit to a, a competitor. The Hopper is a, a DVR product that lets you record any show or whatnot and skip every single commercial and go right back to uh, the show itself. Yeah. So, so CBS took a lot of heat because um, obviously they're showing favoritism, and I, I think CNET even lost a few a few editors over it. Yeah, like I mean, that's another thing about compromise, right? Like, where at what point do you, at what point does like your values and your, I guess you know, like what do you think about this kind of stuff outweigh you know the fact that you have a job? You know what I mean? Yeah. And like I don't know, I don't know. That's a big struggle. And I personally, I, I, I don't know if I'd quit. I guess it depends on my situation, my financial financial situation. Um, you know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, you know, well, what about you? What do you think of it? Um, if I was a journalist, I would think there's a little bit of a demand there. So I, I'd probably feel pretty good about leaving. Obviously, I'd try and lock up something else before moving on. But yeah, yeah, you know, that would that would uh, you know, that would piss me off. So um, I mean, because otherwise, what, what's the point? You know what I mean, like, like if the the PR guys are going to write the PR guys for for whatever you know like whatever thing that we're we're trying to protect here are are writing everything then they can just write the the news too and what am I even here speaking as a journalist you know what I mean like why am I even here what am I even talking about so yeah and I guess the scary part is um, these big companies getting too much power like uh, Comcast owns NBC did you know that yes I did know that they bought NBC Universal right. So it's like they control the tubes, they control the content, um, they control everything, and it's just like, you know, at what point does it stop? And it seems like the FCC just, they pretend like they care, and they'll step in a little bit, but the transaction still gets done. I think the only one that I've seen actually get stopped was the AT&T T-Mobile thing. Yeah, I think, like, that's what everybody's concerned about, like, bringing coming back to Netflix. Like, Netflix is something like 40% of all bandwidth or something, something crazy like that. Yep. So, okay, you're NBC, um, you know, you're making a little, little money from, um, you're making a little money from your, your deal with Netflix and, you know, for your back catalog, maybe your old movies, whatever the case may be. And, you know, obviously you're trying to do some Hulu stuff and everything. So you're kind of competing with them too. All right. So you have your, your new show, your new primetime drama on NBC and, um, you know, here comes, uh, Netflix running on your pipes, you know, people are cutting the cable and they're only going with internet on yours and like 40% of the cable, their traffic is your competitor on there. You know what I mean? There's right. like a natural tendency to be like, ah, let me just not let them in, you know? And that's what, that's what the big fear is. Yeah. And it's ridiculous. Um, I think it got as bad as 
Comcast wasn't counting their video on demand services against people's bandwidth, but if you watch Netflix on the East Coast, they were counting that against your uh, your bandwidth cap. And that's just kind of where I feel, you know, government should step in and level level the playing field. Um a little bit of a disclaimer, you know, I'm an Obama supporter and I just feel like he's the first president and the first um 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 board that just kind of paid attention to these things. Um if we don't have the right people in office even intelligent enough to make decisions on this stuff, you know, how how is anything going to ever change? Um so I'm hopefully I'm hopeful going forward that more people start paying attention to this stuff and we'll put people in office that can make um smart decisions. Yeah, and that's uh without delving too deeply into politics, that's pretty much the foundation of our society, right? Like an informed populace is necessary for democracy, right? And you know right. without that then, you know, what are you doing? So like, yeah, man, I mean, that's probably a topic for a different episode, I think, but like the whole like, uh, like SOPA thing, and like there's, a, I think there's a new one like copyright law, and just all the yeah. myriad um, problems and and things on the horizon. Like the web is not, the web is not open and free anymore, like it was in the the good old days, I guess, right? Like ninety eight, two thousand, you know, early, that early yeah. time. Like they're closing it down, um, you know. They're suing the crap out of you. I if you're, what's, if you're, you're what's crazy is in 98 it was open, but the only window we were actually in was like AOL 3.0, <laughs> reading AOL articles and on AOL Instant Messenger. So, yeah, yeah it's just crazy how times have changed, but not really that much. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we'll definitely go into that in another show. Um, I know you got some other stuff to record this evening, so probably <laughs> a good time to kind of wrap things up. All right, man. Yeah, it was, a, it was a good show. I think it was a good, good first podcast. And so uh, I think I don't have a URL for you. Like, I don't know how you found this episode, you listener out in the future listening to this, because we're speaking from the past. But uh, however you found it, generally it will be in this area, and we're going to get it up on iTunes, and we're going to have a nice little logo and subscribe and all that other good stuff. But uh, and, we'll, and we'll set up a linked list of... Just the various topics we talked about and yeah, trying to inform you as best stuff. as we can. Yep. Yeah, man. So, uh, Brandon, where uh, where can we find you on the internet again? Uh, Twitter, uh, at Brandon Germain. Um, I do have a blog. I'll be honest. I haven't touched it in a while because of work, but uh, I guess I can get back in the swing of things. It's uh, Uh Instagram, if you're into that thing, same thing, Brandon Germain. And uh, like I said, Facebook, the Brandon Germain. Yeah, you like stick with one name all across. I, like I don't even know why I asked you what your Skype name is going to be because I could have probably guessed it. Hey, man, Branding One Hundred and One. You gotta keep the same, uh, <laughs> the same face everywhere. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I don't do that. I, I have like four different names, five different names. I don't know. My inherent skepticism, I guess, cynical. Yes, I don't know. It's all good. I'm a man of many, many handles, <laughs> I guess. Uh, yeah, and if, uh, I don't know, again, I'm Aztec Skin on Twitter. I recommend you listen to my other podcast, Deranged Penguin. And, like, Brandon made this mistake. When I was like, hey, Brandon, you got to listen to it. And he's like, oh, I can't find it. I don't know. I'm searching for it. Yep. It's Penguin with a W. Deranged, P-E-N-G-W-I-N. Podcast. And that that has a, a site, and then you know the URL, and now 
iTunes uh, feed and all that other good stuff. But uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening, folks. Thank you. We'll see you next week. All right. Later.